0: This is the Like-Minded Investors Real Estate Podcast, episode number 10. Bill, that episode was so good. Like I just, I, I, I know we love all of our guests, but I feel like she dropped so many knowledge bombs throughout that episode.
1: Yeah, you I think? I, I think it's safe to say that there is something very special about Sully. I mean, having to go through such a short period of time, go through the pandemic and, and graduate and, you know, end up with 23 units, partnerships, private money. It's amazing. And I mean, she's just absolutely fearless and I can't tell if she's fearless because she did her homework or she's so fearless because like of her youth and just like didn't know any better and wasn't as like jaded by like things that may have happened you know like some people who are older and maybe saw a downturn or something like that but I mean she's just so fearless and I am just such a fan and to see her growth and you know it's just one of those one of those people that I love following their story and love hearing it
0: and for her to only be 23 23 deals um just uh, <laughs> we use this word all of the time incredible like i i i i was li- i'm just a little blown away i don't have i do not have that much to say except for blown away
1: <laughs> i think one more thing that we should probably highlight is that yet again mindset came up yes it is a recurring theme on the like minded investors podcast that mindset is huge you know whether you're starting or continuing or trying to scale you know having the right mindset to do what you need to do in in business in entrepreneurship whatever it is in life you got to have the right frame of mind to do it
0: yeah and I feel like another thing that keeps coming up is the um the ups and downs of real estate and how Mm -hmm. you just like you like Instagram makes it look so perfect and that every day is so much fun. Yeah. But I like how she touches on the fact that there are some days that she wants to cry and she just keeps going. And I feel like that's been a theme with a lot of people recently too.
1: And she, I mean, her first deal like at the very beginning of the episode, I mean, she talked about how much of a like she doesn't have any of those relationships anymore. She fired people. Like she fired people on her second deal and you know, three, four deals later, she's still killing it. Like, we talk about how important it is to get the right contractor and the right team and surround yourself with people and build those relationships. But like, you can also pick the wrong people to like, start with, especially when you're new and still make it out. Okay. Like, like, like her.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I love that. She, she doesn't, I feel like she has no analysis paralysis.
1: <laughs> no, not at all. As as I said, fearless. I mean, it's, I have no other words. And
0: She's... then at the end when she dropped that bomb that uh that she went under contract on an Airbnb. That's a new a new strategy for her. So
1: Yeah, and tapping into a market with like the traveling nurses and everything. I mean, it's something that I, I know I personally have kind of heard a little bit about through through some networking and things like that, but um it's not a strategy that you totally see out there right now. So I think that's something that has untapped potential and I think she'll be very successful if she's you know just does what she's been doing I mean
0: yep yep okay so I think um we should probably just bring her in and (laughs) get this episode going because people are probably on the edge of their seats now waiting for us to start the interview with Soli so let's do it let's do it um let's bring in Soli Welcome to the like-minded investors podcast. Today we have Soli with us. welcome Soli. How are you tonight? Good. thanks for having me. yeah, we, we are so excited. Bill Bill keeps saying when are we gonna have Soli on? <laughs> nice to be here. <laughs> we finally you have you. Awesome. Oh so are you. Uh, so I guess first question that we open up with everybody tell us about yourself um, you know a little bit about your real estate investing and kind of you know what brought you to where you are today.
2: Yeah, so I am a 23 out of state, 23 year old out of state investor. I live in California and I invest in Cincinnati, Ohio. I started last year in March, so that's pretty much like beginning of the pandemic, and spent the last year and a half building a portfolio of 23 units, and so that's comprised of a couple single family, a couple multifamily. I just started flipping houses too, so now I am a single-family flipper and a multi-family buy-and-holder. Oh my gosh! <laughs> Second summary. I feel like that's always the hardest question. Is like, tell me about yourself.
0: I know it really is. Mm-hmm. <laughs> what made you decide
2: to go out of state? I live in California. I live in the Bay Area, probably besides New York, the most expensive market in. United States. And so I was a senior in college and I had a very limited amount of savings that I wanted to start investing with. And so I was looking around the Bay Area and thinking, uh, there's nothing much I could buy over here. Like you could buy a cardboard box for 500 grand, but nothing more. And so I had done some work. So by day, I am a commercial real estate broker. So I'm in the, the world of office leasing. And I had done some work in Cincinnati for one of my clients, and that's how I, I learned about the market. I'd never been, and I went once and said, "All right, this is it. The houses are a hundred thousand dollars, and I, I have twenty thousand dollars to stick into my first investment." Funny how that works. Yeah, that's that was it. Um, when I was over there, though, we were we were doing a uh, a build-to-suit big. Hundred thousand square foot office building, and so we met with all of the developers, and and they were able to tell me about the market. So it's kind of fun to have the market pitched to me from the perspective of it's growing. We're investing a billion dollars to revitalize the city. There's jobs here, are all the sectors here. There, it's driven by consumer staples, by education, by healthcare. And so by listening, I was like, wow, this place is pretty awesome. And then I was also able to meet uh, a local real estate investor. And so that combination, just meeting someone who was familiar with the market and who had done ex- exactly what I was looking to do and being sold essentially by the developers on how awesome Cincinnati was and seeing it for myself, um, that just led me to be more comfortable with the market and I decided to dive in.
0: Was that local investor kind of like a, a mentor to you or
2: did that wind up being like your first partner or how did that go? Um, He, he, he was kind of a mentor. So he had a small part in, or I guess a big part in the beginning. So he got on a Zoom call with me and he walked me through a map of Cincinnati. I mean, it's a huge city. And so he said, you wanna stay along this corridor of the road and you wanna stay in these neighborhoods and stay away from those neighborhoods. So that was really helpful. And then for my first property, I actually had him walk through the space because I just had zero idea of what I was looking for. And so I said, please, please, please like do me a favor. And walked through the house with me or for me, because I was, I put it in contract side of I'd never seen it, bought it over the internet. Um, and he walked through with his contractor and got a bid that I felt comfortable with because he had bought a bunch of them before. And that's, that was his part. So I, ha- he, I haven't invested with him and I haven't talked much with him since besides that. Um, But he did play a very instrumental part in just showing me the market and then giving me the confidence to pursue the first deal. That is key.
0: I feel like just having somebody to look up to who's done it before and especially doing it in the market that you're investing in and even more, especially since you're out of state, I feel like that is so important. I feel like it's that, that boots on the ground that everybody talks about when you're investing out of state.
2: Hundred percent. I think that that's the, definitely the hardest part. That going out of state is is not one not being there because I I didn't see the property before I closed on it. I saw it after I closed on it, and so having someone, which that's like that's very scary to look at Zillow pictures and be like, well, it exists. I know it exists, um, but I have no idea what's behind the Zillow pictures. To have someone honestly, even besides an agent, because I've never worked with my agent before to come in and say, okay, I I look at it, I see it, I, I can verify that this needs to be done and I give you my vote of confidence that you can move forward. And not everyone has that on their first deal. It's it's tough to find, um, but I do think that if people are looking for a market, it's helpful to, if it's not where you live locally, to to go a place where you know somebody even if it's not somebody who is amazing at real estate at least someone who could facetime you through show all show everything all the nooks and crannies that don't appear on listing photos and give you that vote of confidence that someone you know and trust has walked through as well
0: yeah absolutely how did you so you didn't work with that agent before how did you find like all these boots on the ground people
2: well, that's because I ended up firing them. <laughs> it didn't go well. Uh-oh. Uh It was fine. I got through it. So the, the agent I found through my, that mentor person who walked through my property, he had referred me to one of her coworkers who referred me to her. And that's how I ended up um, working with her. The contractor I ended up working with was from Bigger Pockets and he also said, Oh, actually I'm a property manager too. And so I can also property manage your building well, questionable, but I said, okay, sure. Sounds good. Um, and so th- that was my, uh, I think my realtor referred me to my lender too. So it was just two referrals and then one from bigger pockets. It wasn't awesome. I would say, cause I was in such a sprint mode. I, I only put in two offers before that second offer got accepted. And so I had to put everything together so fast. I just said, okay, to everything. I didn't spend the time vetting and interviewing and being proactive and trying to put together my team proactively. It was very reactive. And so now I tell people when you're looking at a market, you're looking at deals, even if you don't have a deal under contract that you're ready to close on, just do your homework and, and interview property managers, interview contractors so that you're ready. To, you can be proactive in the situation and have people lined up and not reactive scramble mode. I love that. It's like,
0: I still, I love that you jumped in though, even though you didn't have every single thing in place. Cause I feel like I, that's like great advice and I just, I don't want people to be like in analysis paralysis with, you know what I mean? With having to do all that. So
2: it's kind of like, I like that you, sorry, go ahead. No, I I totally understand. Like that, that is the other concern is that people can just go in circles and circles and circles forever. Like, I don't feel like I have it figured out. I think the flip side of the end part of my story is I ended up firing all of those people (laughs) and I still bought deal number two. And then I ended up firing those people and I still bought deal number three. And so it's not like a thing. You don't have to have it perfect. You can epically fail on your first one and you can get through it. Like you don't want to epically fail, but even if you do and you run into hurdles, like investing is all about solving problems and, and figuring it out, whatever things get thrown at you. And so at some point you just got to jump in. What do they say? Jump off, jump off the airplane, and build your parachute on the way down. Yes. Yeah. Take a class on how to build a parachute, but jump out and build your parachute.
1: That is, I love that saying. Um, is there any advice you would have for somebody who's looking to get started, but maybe has some fears and is a little afraid of making those mistakes? Because there's a mindset aspect of diving in. Like you had to overcome out of state investing, meeting connections and buying sight unseen which is a lot of people would be deathly afraid of that for their first deal. So is there any like tips of like how to just like be as fearless as you were?
2: I think honestly surround yourself with people who who have done it and are doing it currently. So for me that was Instagram. I didn't at the time I was freaked out and scared but not as not as freaked out because I had my little Instagram network to, to share my freakouts with. And that really helped where I was just like, Oh my gosh, this happened that day. And people could respond to me and say, Oh yeah, that happened to me last year. And this is how I solved it. And so being one surrounded where by people who like it normalizes risk and normalizes investing. And like, this is just, this is just what we do, you know? And, and if you're surrounded by that type of mindset and people who actually solve problems instead of, just get like crushed down with problems. I think it really elevates your mindset.
0: Absolutely. Like I could like 100% agree with that. I love the Instagram. I'm taking a break from it right now as of this recording, but um, I absolutely love, I was so surprised when I got on Instagram how helpful everybody is. Um, What was one of your biggest like hurdles or challenges that you had to reach out about that people helped you with through the gram?
2: probably renovations. I think renovating is the hardest part of the burr process. So my first property was, was burring and I actually flew out my first time, like my first property, I flew out to go renovate it myself. Bad, bad idea. Cause I don't know how to renovate anything. And so I showed up with a drill and that's it. <laughs> it was like, all right, like <laughs> let's do this thing. And so it was nice to have I mean, it was, it was painful. It was uncomfortable. I didn't have a bed. I didn't have internet. Um, and to have people who kind of like, Oh, you go girl. Like you keep going every day. Um, like actually you should probably sand that before you paint it. Like even that type of thing. Um, that was really helpful. And I think it was really encouraging and it's, it's fun. It's like a, now it's like a game of, of, of sharing and, and, sharing problems and sharing solutions and and growing together and that type of thing. So I think the community aspect of it is, is super important because investing is not easy. It is fairly simple, but it's not easy. And so having people who are doing the same thing is, is extraordinarily important.
0: Yes, absolutely. Um, so then I guess what was something that, or the biggest thing, I guess you think that's contributed to your success. I mean, you're 23, you've done 23 deals like, or 23 units like that. That's
2: absolutely crazy. 23 at 23. I hope that's the right number. I'm trying to think. I think that's the (laughs) right number. (laughs) Um, I think that I would say community is, is super important. Um, but then also after my first deal, I, I ran out of money. Um, multiple times after the second deal, i ran out of money again and so the the two things that really took me off was was private money which is how i bought my second third fourth fifth deal and then my a partnership which is how i i got the 10 unit the five unit and all of the bigger deals and so i don't know do you want to dive into those two things absolutely yes i feel like we both shake our heads yeah (laughs) we're
0: like yes (laughs) let's do it my my first thing is i guess um just kind of explain, I feel like a lot of people don't know the difference between a partnership and private money. I feel like everyone kind of uses them interchangeably. So kind of go over what the differences were, at least for you.
2: Sure. I mean, I think how I define it at least is is private money is how I use it is, is debt. So someone gives me whatever $100,000 and I give them back X percent. And they don't get equity in my deals. They just get a percentage of interest um, and they don't get to make decisions in my deals. It's a very passive sort of thing. A partnership is not passive for the other person. It's someone who is actively coming into your deals and taking on responsibilities and, and whatever. Like they could bring money, they could bring sweat equity, but you're splitting equity and they're actively working with you on projects
0: yeah I like that
2: I like that uh description an active
0: versus passive thing yeah, yeah yeah so it's a I feel like it's a good way to put it for people that don't or that didn't know the difference um between it what made you even so I know you you said you ran out of money um what made you go after private money um as opposed to like you know going the traditional
2: bank way? yeah i mean i would I would say that. Private money can also come in an in equity, but it's the same thing. Typically, if you're private money and you get an equity split, you're still not, you're still not making decisions. It's still passive. Mm-hmm. So I think that's an important thing to tell people: is private money can be structured in any sort of way you want. There's no rules. It's just you and them, and what works for both of you. Um, typically, though, the other party is passive, and so I was a. Um, a recent college grad who had just gotten a job but it was the pandemic and I don't think I would have qualified for any sort of um like any sort of loan so I used a I used private money for the down payment of my second property just the down payment and then I financed the rest of it and so I came to the table with um with fairly small amount of cash um and that's that's how I purchased number 2 so it was partially just a like a non-bankability type of thing. And also it was it was a, a family member who had watched my journey on Instagram and who had approached me and asked me if I want if they could participate in my investing th- through private money. And I was like, wow, I like never thought about that. But like, sure, absolutely. That sounds good. I don't have any money anyways. <laughs> and so that's how the the first like the world of private money opened up to me.
0: Oh my gosh, that's so cool. I saw you have a um, private money lending presentation. Um, have you used that? And does it, I mean, I'm sure you've used it, but has it worked wonders for you? Do you like recommend that people kind of put something together like that if they're going after private money?
2: Yeah, I use it every single time. I use it. i Regardless, I will always use that presentation. It's tweaked over over the months because other deals have come in, strategy has changed, et cetera, et cetera. But I mean, it's free and downloadable on my website. If you just, I think it's going to be linked in the in the show notes. But like the literal exact first presentation I ever used is there for anybody to download, so that if you have a person who's interested in investing, you can still come to them and say, "Hey, I'm a professional person." I I made this presentation for you and I want you to sit down and listen to it. So you know that I'm serious. So I have found it to work. I have raised money, a lot of money, almost at this point, like almost a million dollars from friends and family. Also a lot from Instagram. So a lot of, a lot of the private money lenders come from Instagram.
1: I think that just speaks volumes to the power of social media, but also definitely we'll link it in the show notes along with, I mean, your website specifically has other things as well, like calculators. And I think there's like a recording of a workshop and everything around private money. We'll we'll make sure we link it. Everybody should check it out. There's some good stuff. Some of it costs a little money, but I think it's, you know, worth it and worth its weight in gold.
2: Yeah. I mean, the private money presentation is free, but there's also like a one or two hour explanation of how to use it and how to structure it and all that type of thing. And that recording is online too, if you just want like a more in-depth answer on private Mm -hmm. money.
0: So, when you're doing this private money lending presentation, um, which I'm sure is in your, um, you know, downloadable stuff and the paid workshops and everything, but um, what kind of assurances and do you give your investors, kind of, to make them more feel more comfortable lending to you? Assurances mean legal documents. Yeah, like or you know, um, yeah. I guess we can start with that. Yeah.
2: So. On the non-legal side, bank statements, credit scores, that type of thing, Uh, pictures of past deals, results of past deals. Obviously, I did not really have that for my first one, but it was a family member. And so they were willing to take a bet on me and not my portfolio. And they also watched me through Instagram. Um, But legal document wise, it depends on how much they're lending. It's either a personal guarantee promissory note, or it's a mortgage for the property if they cover the whole purchase price.
0: And I'm sure you had lawyers draw, draw all
2: that stuff up, right? Yes. The lawyers, (laughs) lawyers do that. It's above my pay grade.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I've just seen sometimes like people, you know, they're like, does anybody have a promissory note I can use? And it's like, I think you should just get that drawn up by your own
2: attorney. (laughs) Yeah. Totally, totally recommend. Hire an attorney for that stuff. Make sure you're covered. It costs a couple hundred bucks, but it will save you like thousands and thousands of dollars so you're covered. Yeah. Have you been able to reuse it? Yeah. Yeah. It was a fill in the blank word document. And whenever someone else wants to lend, you just change out the names, the amounts and the addresses and send it off. Perfect.
1: More than worth it.
2: Yeah. 100%. (laughs) Go get yourself a lawyer. Another person to add to the team. (laughs) Lawyer and a CPA, the two most underrated team members. CPA. Yeah. I'm on the hunt for CPA. If anybody out
0: there knows a great one for Pennsylvania.
1: Jersey, Jersey for me, but same.
0: (laughs) So do you find it easier now to raise private money since you, you have all these deals under your belt?
2: Yes, I do think so. Especially from people who I don't know personally, if they know me personally and trust me, that's a little bit of a different sort of thing. Um, because there's already like an inherent level of trust. They know where I live and they have my phone number and they can track me down. Um, but definitely from, from the, I guess, the, the stranger internet front, it's been helpful to actually show closed deals, returns. Hey, I was able to pay back my private money from this deal. I, I love the question I get where it's like, how long have you been doing this? <laughs> and then, I hate that question. It's not bad. I mean, it's one year, one and a half years, but I, I always tell them like, I'm, I I've worked in the commercial real estate world for four and a half. Mm-hmm. And so my experience carries over. So um, I do think it's it's been helpful. I think especially for people starting out raising private money i always tell them to just like do their first deal by themselves if they can put money in the deal so that you can show your private money investors in the future that you had skin in the game that you did the hard work that you risked your own capital and you did all your learning lessons on your own dollar or a good chunk of them because then i think the first one is is just the learning curve is so steep it goes like just up a hill and so if you can spend your money and, and learn some really good lessons and approach your conversations a lot more educated, then I think people are, are more willing to trust you. Yeah,
0: absolutely. Or find um, a family member for your first deal or somebody, yeah, like you said, who already knows, likes, and trusts you. Um, I completely agree with that advice. Yeah. Um, I had a question now. I don't remember what it was um, that you just brought up. Oh, your team. You were talking about, you know, you have a CPA, you have an attorney. Um, I guess you have contractors on your team. Now kind of like explain who is on your team and how you're able to have this full-time job and
2: do all of these deals on, on the side. Yeah. So I think what people consider the core four team is a realtor, a lender, a um, contractor and a property manager. And so that's those are the the four things that people like to have in place when, especially when they're out of state investing, because they need those checks and balances to check out their properties. And so in addition to that, like I said, a lawyer on retainer, like I have a lawyer on retainer just for miscellaneous questions for contracts to review sticky situations, that type of thing. CPAs are just incredibly important because real estate has so many tax benefits. That if you're not asking a CPA who is specifically specialized in real estate or at least knowledgeable, very knowledgeable in real estate, then they're probably leaving hundreds and hundreds of dollars on the table. And so I think that's important. Um, A bookkeeper, because now I have so many projects running that I am not the type of person to sit and like go check my bank statements and reconcile them with my credit card and like that type of thing. And so I do have a bookkeeper who does that for me. And then I have a project manager who is internal to basically go check up on projects weekly, as well as do things that I can't do because I'm not in person, such as like test paint swatches, um, tape, off, tape off vanities and that type of thing. So she's, she's been super awesome. She's part-time. So she has a full-time job and then on the side does, does this for, for my team. Oh my gosh, you have you have a big team. That's incredible. Yeah. <laughs> I'm a big team, and then I have a partner. So so the partnership route is basically like no one has enough time in a day to run a lot of projects. Like at one time we were doing, I think it was like 19 units were under construction at once. Like no one has time to do that and everything else. And so my partner, who he's, he's an equity partner, he does. Um, sorry, my light. Filling. Um, He does all of the acquisitions work and I do all of the operational and rehab work. And so that's how we kind of split the time. And so anything that has to do with sourcing new deals, maintaining relationships, going in cold calling, the wholesaling arm, I guess we didn't talk about that, but the wholesaling arm, um, that is all in his bucket. And then I, on this side, focus on renovations, systems and processes, automating, managing our project manager, that sort of thing. And that distinction has been really, really helpful because I'm very controlling on the renovation front and but like I don't really like want to be doing the cold calling on the acquisitions front. So I think the book like Traction talks about like sticking in your lane. Mm -hmm. We stick in our lanes.
1: I think we had a reference to that book in episode one with Lauren and Kyle.
2: Yeah, they love that book. Yeah. Yeah, I remember that.
1: Cool. I actually had a question for you. So like, you have a huge team, you you've got 23 units by 23. Like, I mean, it's just incredible. The pandemic graduating college, do you ever like take a breath and just reflect it? Like, (laughs) how far you have come in the past year, year and a half? I mean, so many people at your age aren't doing what you're doing. I'm sure you hear that all the time. But more importantly, so many people just in general, like aren't doing what you're doing. And you're killing it too it's not just that you're doing it and like being mediocre like you are far Sometimes
2: i feel mediocre <laughs> but i think that i really do think it depends who you surround yourself with like everybody says that the the you are the sum of the four or five people that you hang mm-hmm. out the most and so if you're hanging out with people who don't do anything or who aren't building businesses or who aren't investing in themselves, then you won't do that, you know, but if I hang out with, with you guys who are building a podcast or hang out with my friends who are like, how can I make a million dollars next year? I think it just rubs off on you. And you're like, Mm -hmm. you're going to make a million dollars. I want to make a million dollars. How do we make a million dollars? And like, that's how the partnerships form. That's how you get motivated to keep going. It's like, it's just, it's infectious. And I think surrounding yourself with people who think bigger, instead of think smaller. So you're not the smartest person in the room, like be the dumbest person in the room, go seek other people who can expand what you think. And, and I think about that all the time. Like I go like, am I not thinking big enough? Like, do I need more units next year? One of my friends told me he wanted to make like 10 million next year. And I'm like 10 million, do I need to make 10 million? <laughs> and so, but like even the possibility of making 10 million is just like, I didn't even think that that could even be an option until someone else said that it was an option and so expanding your your mindset on what is possible I think is extremely powerful
0: yeah mindset's a huge thing we love talking about mindset
1: <laughs> it is a recurring theme it seems every episode in yeah. a good way
2: Well that's yeah. good it's really important mm-hmm. things are hard like renovations are are especially renovations because that's what I do every day like it's really darn tough. Like some days you just want to cry and quit. And like, there are definitely days where I'm like, I I suck at this so bad. And I just hired, um, my team just hired a coach. So now that's, that's one, the last member of my team is a coach and he is a renovation coach who basically tells me that I suck. (laughs) like renovations in the most loving way possible, though, is like, hey, uh, you're paying me to come in and consult on your business and tell you how to make your processes more efficient and how to keep your contractors in check and how to save money. And that's a really painful process to go through, to dig all of their dirty laundry out of your closet and be like, oh, sorry. <laughs> like, I know you're disappointed. Um, but having someone like that too, like it's a coach, a mentor, someone who can be extraordinarily honest with you, who's going to ask you hard questions, because if no one's asking you hard questions, like you're not going to get, you're not going to get to the next level. Absolutely.
0: Where did you find a Reno coach
2: or a renovation coach? Like on a podcast. <laughs> um, he's great. His name is Van Sturgeon. Um, he's he was on Rod multi multifamily podcast. Um, he is so tough but so good, um, and it is. I feel like I'm back in college. I'm in like a college class. Because I'm like learning so much, Um, but it's, it's what it's going to take to take me to the next level. So next year I want to flip one house per month and also buy 35 more units. And to me, that's like crazy. Um, And I can't do that unless my systems are buttoned up and ready to drop in houses and cookie cutters come out. And so that's why he's here to help me make my cookie cookie cutter processes fun. Um, up so that the house can drop in and the cookie cutter comes out. I love that analogy. <laughs> the cookie cutter, yeah. So I think it's, a, I mean, one important question to ask, I think, is is like who is the who is the one person who would just totally change your business? Or who are the three people who would just totally expand business who would it be would it be in a assist- maybe it's an assistant maybe it's a va who clears up your time maybe it's a mentor maybe it's a house cleaner like maybe you spend too much time cooking like something like that but i think it's an important question to ask it's it's not like i think the state is statement is it's not what who and so it's not what can i do it's who who can i hire who can i delegate to who can elevate me who's gonna bring me to the next level.
0: Would you also say um, processes are a part of that too? Like maybe figure out, you know, if somebody can't um, hire somebody else, uh, maybe they could figure out a way to systematize and make things more efficient for themselves. I feel like you're, uh, you're like amazing with systems
2: and processes. Uh, systems and processes is a word I probably say like 45 times a day. <laughs> it probably drives people crazy how much I talk about it. But I think that the process is automate, then eliminate. So take out things that do not do anything for you. Is, it, is this a high impact item? No, eliminate it. Two, you're going to automate it. Three, if you can't automate it, delegate it. And so automating a lot of that comes from i mean there's so many software products there's like asana is one that i use a lot of people use monday.com which has Mm -hmm. amazing integrations to just even automate emails checklists are awesome so that you don't have to spend time thinking and thinking and thinking it's like just look at the checklist knock it out um that type of thing um Finishes like a finish book, so that it's again with the cookie cutter type of thing. Like here are my finishes. I don't want to have to make a million design decisions. There's just cue numbers. Go do it, type of thing. Um, that's another idea of of automating things. And then for everything that can't be automated, delegated. And I typically delegate to the project manager because um, I like her. But um, I, sometimes it would be like a VA or, or an accountant or or whoever, whoever fits the task.
0: I love Asana and monday.com. I like, I use
2: both of them for two different types of things. I I love Monday, my team. I couldn't get them to transition because we're already on Asana. I personally am obsessed with Monday. Yeah, me too. They,
3: their
1: integrations are really good.
2: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Agreed. And
3: then,
2: <laughs> like, Slack, like, this, Oh, the Slack one is just amazing. Like change the, change the, the like in process to completed, send a message to Slack. I love that one. It just makes me so excited. So next year you plan on doing so
0: much. Are you going to still do your full time? Like, do you ever plan on leaving your job and going full-time real estate investor?
2: Yeah, I mean, I think that's a question that I get asked more and more these days. Um, <laughs> and so, I, I mean, it will come a time when there is a decision that has to be made, whether that's scaling back hours or or hiring more people. But I think that the whole point is to build a business that operates without me. And that's the that's the goal. So I want to be able to say, peace out, I'm going to... Croatia for a month and the business will operate and it won't fall apart. And so that uh, if that's the goal. Like I could go have a full-time job doing whatever, I could go work at a coffee shop and it would run without me. But in order to do that, you have to ask like, how do I delegate? How do I automate? Who do I need to make my business get to the next level? And so I've been reading, um, what's that book? It's like Exit Rich. It's a book that just came out, but it's all about how you need to think about building a business for the exit and the most important thing about an exit is that your business operates without you love it i'm going to have to read that never
0: yeah. heard of it you said it's new though
2: it's new it was they they were on the bigger pockets um podcasts let me here i'll search it real quick It's by Michelle Tucker and Sharon Lecter, I think. Um, Exit Rich, The Six-P Method to Sell Your Business for Huge Profit. It is not a directly related to real estate book, but it is a book that can be applied to real estate very powerfully. I feel like,
0: oh, I feel like there's a really good, like balance in reading books that just like not all real estate. I think at some point you have to pivot to reading uh, like business books because real estate is a business. If like you can't just learn about real estate and all of a sudden have this magical, like running business, you know what I mean? I feel like you, you eventually need yeah. to switch to business books. <laughs> and I think
2: that some people's problem is they get stuck inside like the DIY. I want to do everything myself game. And once you get too deep in that game, it's really difficult to give up power and let someone else do it and that's one of the awesome pluses of -of out-of-state investing is you have no choice so you got to give up the power Mm -hmm. you got to be okay with some stuff not going awesome because you're not there to micromanage and so you kind of skip over that step of i want to micromanage every project because you just physically cannot yeah
1: yeah I, i think bonnie who was on episode three or four uh She's a lawyer from Jersey PA. She has a podcast as well, the Good Bones Podcast. And one of the things she mentions is we're not real estate investors, we're real estate entrepreneurs. And I think that ties perfectly to the whole book conversation is that you need to read the business books because you are an entrepreneur. You are building a business. And I think this book, the Exit Rich book, I think is, I mean, the end game is to retire to a beach with plenty of fruity drinks, right? So.
2: arguably I might get bored after one week (laughs) (laughs) it's to have the ability to choose to do that if you want I think that yeah Yeah. and if you when you want maybe a couple times a
0: year Mm or not all the time um so do you think I, I don't now I don't remember if we already touched on like your whole partnership thing um but do you feel like that's the reason that you were able to scale so quickly is because you jumped into
2: private money and, um, and partnerships? hundred percent. I think that my part, there's always like the one partner who's the crazy dreamer. And then the other one who like pulls them back. I'm the one who pulls them back. And so if you think I'm crazy, like, he's crazy. And so (laughs) I have to always be like, wait, 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 wait. We're not buying. We're, we're doing processes this month. We're not buying processes. And so I think that's been great because I, I think I am, I have like that tinge of I'm scared still, like still after all of these, like still nervous. Like there's so much money. I'm in so much good debt um, from mortgages and from, private money lenders like i've got a lot of money out right now and and it's scary it's like it's a lot of money um and so having someone who can kind of push you along and and give you that like redirect your mindset when you get down like it's it's really important i find it to be a really powerful thing to have a person beside you who is going through projects with you who can kind of zoom out and say like, it's going to be okay. Cause I'm definitely the freak out person. Um, I'm the freak out person, the risk averse person. They're like, bah, slow down processes. Um, and having someone to sort of like go, okay, but we could do better. We could do bigger. This is how we get there. Um, I think that's a, that's a great person to have on your team to sort of just like charge ahead. Absolutely. Um, so
0: this partner, do you, um, I guess, I don't know if you want to go into like how you structured things with him, um, but it might be kind of, kind of helpful for people out there. If you wanted to talk about that a little bit and which deal
2: um, you're, you partnered on. So I bought my first property and my second property by myself. So that was a single family and a triplex. And then after that, I had met him in the real estate club in college and so it was like, okay, well, I really have no more money now. And I already used my family member who would lend money to me. Um, I need some money. And so he was an investor in Florida and in Memphis and, and Dallas. And, but he wasn't finding good deals. And I think he saw my deals and we're like, whoa, like those are some good numbers. And so I said, okay, like I'll show you the market and I'll share my team. If I don't, I didn't really have a team, but. share my team and i'll I'll share the market knowledge and you come over and you fund my deal (laughs) and we'll split it 50 50 and so that's what happened for that first house which turned out to be a flip so we flipped it um and then the next deal came along and i think that was another single family flip and again i didn't have any money and so i was like well you qualify for the loan It will split it (laughs) 50-50. I think that's how it went. Um, And then after that, we started using a lot more just private money. And so we both come to the table with minimal money and we split it 50-50. And I handle all of the renovations and he handles a lot of the acquisitions work. So all of like the bank financing, um, like the paperwork, the like finding deals, analyzing deals, all that type of thing. He does that. We close, I handle the rest. I think that is a great split. I
0: love I love how you're doing that. And like you said, like we talked about earlier, staying in your lane. Mm-hmm.
2: Sometimes I will say, I think the acquisition process is a lot smaller than the renovation process usually. Like acquisition, I always say this, I'm like, not fair. 20 days for acquisition, three months for renovation. <laughs> and so there have, sometimes has to be like, when like, but that's why we hired a project manager to take time off of my plate because it was costing it was costing me so much stress so it's like okay who can we get to take time off of my plate so that our tasks are a little bit more even and then we added wholesaling to his plate that so, was just going to be my next question you mentioned something about wholesaling
0: earlier what is that all about
2: So we couldn't find, we went through a dry spell of of deals where we cannot find good deals. And we were trying to flip a lot of properties. And so we're like, well, what better way to find flip deals than to wholesale? And so we met two people on Instagram actually, who were wholesaling in California and said like, Hey, do you want to expand your like partner and expand your operations in Cincinnati, Ohio? And so they said, yes. And so we, partner with them and they do all of the acquisition work and we do all of the disposition work. Oh that's very that's cool. That works. And so they do all that they talk to all, which is also a great way to network. So they do all the talking to sellers, we do all he does, all of the talking to buyers. And so buyers are investors, they are hedge funds, they are individuals, they are flippers, they are buy and hold investors. And so to be able to come to the table and reach, have an excuse to reach out to these people with value, Hey, I have a deal. Are you interested in looking at it? I think it's a, it's great for, um, for networking, not just to be weird and be like, Hey, you like want to talk, but like, no, Hey, I have a deal. <laughs> I'm also an investor. I can't buy it because of X, but Hey, would love to talk to you about your business, what you're looking for, what you're doing, how much are you flipping, um, and just take a look at what I've got. So cool. I did not realize that was a part of your, your strategy. That's so cool. It's an ancillary business. I don't really handle much of it, but, um, it's part of the business. Yeah.
0: Yeah. You're still a part of it. Uh, what kind of, so with this, with this, like all these 50, 50 agreements, um, that you have with this partner, do you guys just have like an overall agreement and you're just doing all this work together? Do you put agreement in place for every
2: single, um, deal that you've done kind of, how does that work? Just overall, I, I'm going to say, don't do as I say, don't do as I do just get a lawyer to do it. Um, There is like an incredible amount of trust. And I think it stemmed from like not having an agreement and me not putting any money inside any deals. And it was still like, Hey, we're ethical people. We're doing the right thing type of thing. Um, But the relation, like it's, it goes like way back and there's a level of trust that you probably don't have in most partnerships that you just start out in so again don't do as I do do as I say have an have an agreement have a lawyer look at it get it notarized and say I agree to this lay out your specific responsibilities you are doing x I am doing y we agree to this this is our equity split if there is a disagreement what are we going to do Cause that's always what happens is why we flip a lot too. It's like, Hey, we're going to flip some properties. Cause like, I don't want to get in bed with you for 30 years. Like we just want to get out of it. Like, let's just test it out. See what happens. Like, I don't want to, I don't want to be stuck with you for 30 years. If we're not going to agree on how to do things. And so I think potentially a shorter term project is great um, to just test out the relationship. A, A lower small stakes project is great. Um, even like a tester project, like get on a Zoom call and like, let's, let's figure out, like, let's do a group project. Let's see how we work and see if they show up on time. If they do their work, if they, if they come prepared, if they're enthusiastic. And I think that's a great way to sort of see if you're going to work well together. Completely agree. I love that advice. Absolutely. Me too. So did, I, oh, sorry, one thing. I yeah. heard on a podcast once that like before I forgot who it was, but They literally like had, they did like a little group project together, like an actual group project, (laughs) like back to college, we're going to do this something. It was like a very low stakes thing, Um, but they worked really well together. Everyone showed up and did their part, did what they say they were going to do. And I think that showed confidence um, that they could handle a little thing and like, okay, we did this little thing, whether it's like, Hey, we're going to start a podcast together. A little bit lower stakes than like I'm gonna spend a hundred and two hundred thousand dollars together. And so it was it was a way to test how they work together without pouring hundreds of thousands of dollars into mistakes first. I feel like this is another like mic drop moment. I
0: feel like I had there's like one in every like episode where I'm like, wow, that is like super powerful.
2: People like need to listen to that again. Agreed. Oh, I remember it was real estate. Um investor like that that mastermind those two girls that's what they did they started that was that was their project they wanted to start this little community of women who invest in real estate and that was that was their project i believe it was an interview on bigger pockets where they said that um and then it turned into so much more but it was just started it was like a hey let's have coffee and let's talk about what we can do and from there like it went awesome. And like, that's kind of similar to the whole wholesaling thing is like, Oh, like let's, let's do wholesaling. Like it's kind of low stakes. It's $2,000 to send out a batch of mailers. Like, let's see who does their part. And like, then they went to Cincinnati with us like last week and maybe we'll invest with them. Like, I think that sort of low stakes project to build trust and accountability can be a great thing to just test out a relationship.
0: Oh, wow, I never knew that about them. That is and that's a I love that community. It's it's oh, yeah. it's, it's huge, right? Yeah. yeah. I
2: think it's a, a bigger pockets podcast.
1: I can't to. relate.
2: <laughs> it's, so but, a good podcast. it's a good podcast.
1: Yeah, no, I mean I I've obviously heard of them. They're doing great things. It's amazing to think that it's just started out as like a group project, but I mean they are doing great things. It's just that it's not I am not the clientele. <laughs>
0: So is your, so I know um, next year, you know, your goals are the flips and uh, do buy and holds. Do you have any interest in any other kind of strategies um, within real estate?
2: Airbnbs, um, because I think that stacking passive income through traditional buy and holds is pretty slow at the moment. And so I think that Airbnbs are a little bit more powerful for getting there quicker and can always be transitioned into long-term rentals later down the road. And so it's something that I have considered, but not highly considered. Um, I actually just went under contract for property today. um, Congratulations. (laughs) Right right before this call, um, actually. But that one is, is a... Pseudo um Airbnb, hopefully. But I was talking to my realtor over there about like what kind of short term housing is needed. Um, they were saying like people are selling their houses so so fast that they need somewhere to live. And so maybe it's not like short, short term housing, but like that three month, three month term Mm -hmm. rentals, whether it's for travel nurses. I know travel nurses is huge. who are only there for one quarter or people who sold their house who need somewhere to live for three months because they can't find a replacement home. That's like, that's a market that is not hugely tapped into yet. I will tell you the travel nurse thing, um, huge. Like we,
0: we have a seasonal um, campsite and the, a lot of the people that come in and out of there with campers are there for like, you know, a month or two months or something and they're all travel nurses.
2: Yep. I, I've heard I've heard a lot of people do the travel nurse thing and you can charge a premium because one, they're getting paid a ton to be travel nurses. And two, it's it's three months and it's not as expensive as an Airbnb, but it's it's not as well, yeah, it's not as expensive as an Airbnb, but you're not going to get like a long term rental say like, oh yeah, you could do three months here.
0: Yeah, that's cool. I'm, I'm congratulations. I, that's so cool yeah. that you went on to on or uh, under
2: contract right before this call. I'm, I'm excited. I saw it, it actually came from like a, an agent who was walking, who's selling one of my flips who I was talking to cause I was there and saying, thank you so much for walking through the flip with me. I'm actually, it just came from this other flip that's on this street name. And she goes, really? i got a place on that, like off market for sale. Um, I go, really? Can we walk through tomorrow? (laughs) And that's the one, like it it, only two people looked at it. And I was one of them just because I happened to say a street name that she happened to have a property on. So locked it up right before this call. um, And it was exciting. Proof that you
0: just need to keep telling everybody what you're doing and like anybody and everybody mm-hmm. who will listen, and just like talk about what you're doing, and I feel like
2: universe will bring it to you. Yeah, hundred percent. I think it's it's really important to just friends, family, realtors, Instagram, everybody. I mean, you're just gonna become you're just you're gonna start to become like the expert on a topic of the real estate investing. Hey, I have a hundred thousand dollars, and I'm too busy to to invest it myself and I don't really trust the stock market, what do I do with it? Oh, great. You could invest it in my deals. And I'll give you 10% guaranteed um, or personally guaranteed. And so that, that type of thing or like people on Facebook who recognize your name, like you're a recognizable person. Hey, I have this really sticky situation uh, with this property. I just need to get rid of it. I know you invest in real estate. What do I do with it? And those are the types of conversations that you get into more, the more you talk to people. Mm
0: -hmm. Mm -hmm.
2: So my last question, you are just so
0: confident. I still can't believe you're 23. Like just absolutely, you're like killing it. Um, So how, you know, people who are looking to get into out of state investing, what would be your your best advice for getting comfortable with um, being out of state and being so far away from a property? I would
2: say for people who are extraordinarily nervous and like need their handheld, go find a coach. It might cost you some money, but they will probably save you the same amount of money. And I'm not saying me cause I'm not a really a coach. Um, but there are lots of people who can kind of hold your hand through the process, especially if it's like someone you find on bigger pockets that you just say like, can I pay you to coach me through my first deal? Um, So you'll probably find, if you ask a hundred, you'll probably find one who will say, yes, I'll do that for you. Um, Or two, make an Instagram like I did and just decide you're gonna do as much research as you possibly can, jump in and figure it out and have a community to fall back on and support yourself. So I think those, I mean, you're never gonna feel totally ready. Like There's never gonna be a point in time where you're like, I'm ready, let's do this. It's just not going to happen. And so I think one, like with coming with that expectation that it's not going to, I'm not going to feel totally comfortable and 90% of things aren't going to go right. And if you can go into that and be like, and I'm okay with that, and I'm going to be a problem solver and I'm going to come out the other side and it's going to be great. Like, I'm going to be more resilient. And I think that that's the thing. It's like going through, it's like you go through the grinder and you come out more resilient, a better problem solver, thicker skin, and you get thrown through the grinder again, more resilient, thicker skin. (laughs) And that's like, that's what like the real estate process is. You talk to people who are 60 years old and they're like, I lost it all and I came back and then I lost it all and then I came back. Like that's that's just kind of what you have to, not losing it all, but being prepared to go through really tough things. And preparing yourself to be resilient and come out the other end, I think, is is like this is a whole back to the mindset thing. Like mindset is extraordinarily important. You just got to keep going. Yeah,
0: yeah. Get through those those ups and downs because people, everybody, you will have them in real estate. It's a, literally like a roller coaster ride.
2: It yeah, and everybody does it. Like everybody's first property. You can ask anybody. I have not met. A person who said that their first real estate deal was amazing and so i think everyone's done it we can all laugh together we can all support each other um but going into it just prepared for things to go wrong and just don't freak out be okay stay calm <laughs>
0: exactly oh exactly. well, bill do you have any um last questions before we sign off with soli
1: yeah i have one so you have built an amazing team and obviously are super successful in the cincinnati market and you obviously have processes in place to be a successful out-of-state investor and it only took a year and a half to be that successful in cincy have you ever thought of diversifying diversifying into other cities or other markets i know you mentioned your partner was in what memphis and florida Dallas, before
2: jacksonville yeah um i have and so i think so far what the goal is is Get 50 units in Cincinnati, and then diversify to a higher appreciating market. Um, that's, I mean, obviously things change, the route mm-hmm. changes, um, but I think, I mean, cash flow brings freedom, appreciation brings wealth. If you're in an appreciating market, like that's where you're getting your biggest bang for your buck. That's one of my favorite sayings, and so for me that cash flow game in Cincinnati is giving me a stable base to do whatever the heck I want. Mm-hmm. I could go work on luxury housing and I would be covered, um, but that's the like kind of my safety net t- sort of play. And then going out and diversifying into one different markets, but two different assets, I think would be the step after laying that good foundation.
1: I think that's smart.
0: Absolutely. Well, Soli, you have been an amazing guest. I feel like you dropped so many like knowledge bombs on everybody um, from mindset to, you know, the partnerships and private money and all that stuff. So we really appreciate you being on tonight. Um, Before we go, though, um, we'd love to give you the opportunity to talk about um, you know, where people can find you, um, you know, what you kind of have going on, on your website. I know we touched on it a little bit earlier, um, but if there's anything else we missed, feel free to um, chat about it now.
2: Yeah. Um, Instagram is the only social media I have right now. So it's, it's at And then my website is the same thing. So it's com. All right. Great.
0: Uh, Well, thank you so much for being on. Um, Again, I'm sure people are going to get so much value from this. So thank you again. Thanks for having me. This is fun. Yeah. All right. Bye, Soli. Bye. Bye.